This is the I Work For Him podcast. To make sure you never miss a thing from I Work For Him, subscribe to our email list. Just head to our website at iworkforhim.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page, click subscribe, and sign up. We'll send the very latest blogs and podcasts from I Work For Him so you never miss a beat. That's iworkforhim.com. This is producer Michael Marigle. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get to today's program. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. Hey, thanks for tuning in to I Work For Him this afternoon as we brought Broadcast all over Tampa Bay on AM 570 and 910 and FM 102.1, as well as on iHeartRadio.com and Let's Talk Faith.com. However, you're listening to us today, just know that you've been prayed for, that something we say today will cause you to just stop and think and do a better job of connecting what you hear on Sunday with what you do in your nine to five. You know, we've all made, we all make jokes all the time. How can an attorney get into heaven, negotiate his way in? But seriously, how can you be a lawyer and have that be your mission field? Can you actually be a lawyer and have that be your mission field? Can you bring glory to the... Wow, I'll slow down here for a second. Can you bring glory to the Lord by being a criminal defense attorney? Come on. Can you represent criminals and follow Jesus? I think Jesus did that. Let's remind ourselves that every occupation has a place in the kingdom. And who better than a Christ follower to represent the criminals? The people who are at the lowest point in their lives and people, a lot of times, that are the low lives of our society. Isn't that what we're called to do, the least of these? Jesus was genius at that. Think about the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. Jesus was actually a criminal defense attorney in that position. We all need to clean out our boxes and get out of our boxes. We've we, we got to think outside of our boxes. In fact, we need to burn up our boxes. There isn't a profession on the planet that Jesus didn't come to redeem and to restore to the glory of the Lord, whether you're an attorney, a used car sales guy, some other preconceived dirty job, Jesus is the Lord of all. Now back to criminal defense. Locally, there is a criminal defense law firm right here in Tampa Bay, Tragos, Sardis, and Tragos. We've got George and Peter Tragos with us today, and you're going to hear from their hearts of how the Lord is using them as criminal defense attorneys. George, Peter, welcome to I Work For Him. Happy to be here. Good to be here. I really appreciate you guys taking time away from your billable hours and coming here. You, you aren't going to bill me for this, right? Okay, good. We'll see how it goes. Not, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Good to, good to see that. Okay, all right. You guys, as I heard about you, and again, I heard about you guys from somebody else who knows you and knows that you put your faith into practice. And those are the kind of testimonies I'm always looking for. People that are actually living it out. And it wasn't like you called, hey, Jim, can we do a show? No, I had to beg Peter to get you to get the two of you together, come on the show, because I really want to hear your story, and you're not bragging about it, but I know you're living it out. Peter, when we talked on the air, we talked a little bit about the mission of I Work For Him. How does the message of I Work For Him resonate with you personally? Well, it's actually interesting, Jim. Since we spoke, um, our church, uh, Building 28, has done a study on James, and you know, growing up, I never felt called to be a pastor or a missionary to Africa or anything like that, so I always wondered if my life really could be fully dedicating to working for something that furthered the kingdom or the purpose of Christ. Um, And in James, at the end of the first chapter, it talks about how the purest form of religion is uh, serving and helping those in need, those less fortunate, the widows and the orphans, and the people that nobody else wants to help. Right. Um, So in our uh, personal injury and criminal defense practice, both, this applies to both really, we are helping the victims or the people that have been arrested or wrongfully accused or just caught up in making a mistake. We are there to 
to perform the most pure form of religion and act religiously for Christ in helping these people in need that nobody else will help or that other people are not interested in helping because it may be too, like you said, dirty or sticky or that situation is plain not messy. something. Just right. messy. You guys live in a messy world. And I think that really allows us to live out the I work for him purpose, which is we're trying to perform that, that undefiled uh, definition and pure religion um, which is, you know, serving those and helping those that are in need and are at the in the, the dumps or at the bottom of the social totem pole. George, Peter's following in your steps. You already laid the groundwork for this all of his life. But what got you into the criminal defense world? What, what got you to be in that kind of law? Well, I, I'll be honest with you, I was not a Christian when I graduated law school in 20, in, uh, when I was 24. Okay. <clears throat> I became a Christian uh, in 1978 after I got married. My wife uh, showed me what a true Christian was and showed me that although I thought I was a Christian, and I really didn't do anything bad. I liked helping people. Uh, but so when I entered the profession, I was not a Christian, but I wanted to help people. I interviewed for jobs, and frankly, the best job offer I got was at the state attorney's office. So I became a prosecutor. People don't realize what power prosecutors have, what power they have over people's lives. They can ruin somebody's life just by having them arrested. Whether they're innocent or guilty, that arrest ruins their reputation. It costs them a lot of money to defend themselves. And even if they get off, it still could have a, a ruined life, something they'd have to put back together. So as a prosecutor, I tried to be an honest prosecutor, and I tried to make sure I did right things and good things for people. And then I became a Christian, and I started to realize that being a criminal defense lawyer is a lot more than just making sure things are right, but making sure that things are honest, making sure that people see Christ in me in the way that I'm doing my job. And therefore, now I'm a criminal defense lawyer. I loved criminal law from the time I was a prosecutor. And now, as a Christian criminal defense lawyer, I love doing what I'm doing, and I love helping people. And that's what, what we do. Well, and it's, I love that you switched from prosecutor to, de, to, to defending those that you were prosecuting. What, what caused that flip? I mean, what was the flip time? I mean, you just like, yeah, I can't make the impact? I mean, what, what was it that caused you to say, nah, I want to go to the other side? Well, I was four years as a prosecutor. Okay. And then I decided that it was time for me to go out into private practice. Frankly, okay. If you believe in the Constitution, either side does the right thing. Because if you don't have a criminal defense lawyer, who is there to watch the government? Right. Who is there to make sure the government doesn't abuse people? Who is there to make sure the right things are always done? You look at the countries where they have the autocratic-type uh, dictator. That dictator doesn't allow criminal defense lawyers because that dictator only wants to hear one side, and that's right. the only side that counts. America is a great country because we have this system of justice that allows both sides to have equal constitutional protections. Mm, I love that. Peter, did you grow up thinking you were going to end up in the family business? Uh, not at all. Um, I have two older sisters. Uh, neither one of them want anything to do with being a lawyer, anything to do with the law. We all grew up in the same house. We all got questions at school about how can your dad be a criminal defense attorney. Um, I really didn't have anything against it. Uh, I just went into college uh, wanting to be a doctor, actually. Um, I didn't like the science classes I was taking, so I just kind of was looking for a different avenue. And obviously knowing that that was an option since uh, my dad was a lawyer, I started looking into going to law school. And when I got to law school, I saw pretty quickly, I think some of my strengths line up with somebody that is a trial lawyer. And, you know, I haven't really looked back since then. And I, I love it. And uh, I love going to work every day. It's something new every day. And I really think we get to make a difference 
And I think we're blessed with a, a blessing and a responsibility as lawyers um, in, in Florida to make an impact and make a difference with the opportunities that we're given. George? Well, you know, I believe, firmly believe, God puts you where he wants you to be. And that's why being a lawyer, I think, was God's calling for me. And I've got to tell you, it's Peter's calling. We didn't think he was going to be a lawyer. Uh, he wanted to be a doctor. And then he totally changed uh, his path, and everything has fallen into place for him, because I think that's where God wanted him to be, too. So that's what we have to make sure we're where God wants us to be. Well, I'm just watching you guys before the show. I mean, clearly, you guys have a lot in common because you were button heads about, about just the way you worded things. I'm like, that's perfect. These guys are exactly like each other. But that's why you butted heads. It's when you look at a family business and you look at, George, how you set this up. When, you know, and you said that your wife, it was her example that really led you to Christ. I mean, that's what, what you said, yes, right? Yes. So uh, did you guys already have kids then by then or not? No. Okay. We so did the kids not. were still to come. How did you and your wife learn to live as Christ followers at home and then learn to apply that to your work? Because honestly, a lot of Christ followers don't understand, hey, following Jesus should impact everything about me. Well, first, let me say my wife is also the office manager and the bookkeeper oh, at our office. Okay. So she has significant influence. Nobody she, gets paid without her. She handles all the money. That's right. Clear. It's all, clear. It's our, clear. Partner, <laughs> our partner knows that, too, which is right. why he'll be around forever. And he, and he loves it because yeah. we don't worry about someone stealing from us. We don't worry about embezzlement. Uh, we worry, you know, we might worry about other things, but at least that's something we don't have to worry about. So what happens in our home and the Christian life we lead carries into our office just by, you know, natural flow because we're together all day. And now my son is there, too. So and it's a, you know, what a wonderful thing that is that all these years that I've been you know, with my son and, and raised my son to see him now and to see how he's living for Christ, even in his office. Ladies and gentlemen, you know that I search the highways and byways across the Americas, the, all over the place, across our great country and really beyond, to hear stories, to share stories with you, not because, yes, they're here in Tampa Bay, but those of you listening, and there are people listening across the world to this show someday, I want you to hear their testimony from George and Peter Tragos because you can do this too. If you're a criminal defense attorney or you know a criminal defense attorney or you know an, another attorney who's saying, well, I can't really be a Christian in my work because nobody is. No, this is not true. If these guys can do it, anybody can do it. And so we're talking today with George and Peter Tragos from the law firm of Tragos, Sardis, and Tragos. You can find out more about them online at TragosLaw.com, TragosLaw.com. And if you really, like I said, if you're driving on Elmerton right now, just look up. There's a, at least one billboard with their face on it, one direction. Which direction is it now, guys? Is it going east or is it going west right now? So we just changed them. Did depends you just change? on the day. Depends, depends on the day? day. Okay, all right, okay. All right, so, Peter, here's a question. So you grew up in a household where your dad's a criminal defense attorney. You don't think you want to be an attorney. you got two older siblings. And your dad's living out his faith at home. When did you decide, you know, I want to be a Jesus follower too? Well, I think the decision was made when I was in elementary school. I went to Sky Chris Christian School here in town. Okay. Um, and I think while the justification moment may have been immediate, the sanctification process was a little slower. And <laughs> That's um, a lifelong process, isn't yeah, it, George? Exactly. That's right. And, uh, and I, I went to high school at Calvary Christian High School, and really... Two my, free plugs right here, and I work for him. Uh, yeah, 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 and uh, great schools, both of them. Um, and I really, when I was exposed to Reformed theology, really from my brother-in-law, who was actually my Bible teacher in high school, that's how he and my sister met, 
um, he uh, really introduced me to a different way of, of understanding and looking at God's sovereignty. And um, just the power and strength of God really captivated me and got me uh, interested in digging deeper and learning more about him and, and really learning more even, again, in James that faith without works is dead and you have to live out your your faith in your life, in your work, in your school. Um, and then when I went to college at Florida State, your faith becomes your own. Your parents don't take you to church anymore. They don't force you to go to Wednesday night youth group. They don't force you to hang out with the good kids. You know, you're there making your own decisions. And I think that's really where my faith blossomed. And I was really uh, equipped with the ability to make the decisions that uh, lived my faith out. And, you know, I try to do that every day still. But that's that's kind of my journey is, you know, the slow sanctification process continues today as a criminal defense attorney. Um <laughs> Uh, and we'll it doesn't matter future. what your profession is. The process is a lifelong process. I remember when I came to Christ, I thought, wow, if I just get a few things cleaned up, I'll be pretty good. <laughs> 37 years later. Yeah, this is a lot to do. Okay, so you're married. Yes. Where'd you meet your wife? I met my wife at Florida State. We worked at Planet Smoothie together. Planet Smoothie yes. together. So was she a Christ follower when you met her? She she was, yeah. Um, she, she also, I think, was saved at an early age, and I think that... Um, the our roads kind of met in college and we really grew together uh towards Christ and really it's it's been an amazing thing to watch her grow as we've kind of gotten older we've had kids and just to see the the mom and the wife that she is is really you know mind blowing when compared to we were little kids and 20 years old and met you know in college to how different she is now and kind of what God's done in her life is really an amazing thing to to be a witness to Talk to me about Building 28, because I've been hearing about that you know, on the street. You're hearing about, hey, Building 28, cool stuff going on at Building 28. Yes, that's the name of a church in Pinellas County, northern Pinellas, northern-ish, yep. north of 60. What's going on there? I could talk the whole hour about Building 28. I it, love it. it it's, give it's, me a 30 seconds out of that. 30-second clip. Um, it, it's an amazing church that preaches the gospel every week. Um, the pastor, Aaron Curran, is one of the most interesting, uh, coolest guys you'll meet. Um he grew up in a house that didn't let him watch TV or, or play video games, so all this dude did was read. Um, and he's the most well-read, articulate, smartest guy, you know, when it comes to theology that I've ever met. Um, I, I put him up there with John Piper and, and Matt Chandler and those types of guys. He's an amazing speaker. Yeah, but is he easier to understand like Matt Chandler, or is he harder to understand like John Piper? It, it depends on the message, to be so honest So you guys are both you. attorneys, so Piper, you could understand Piper. I uh, have to read yeah. Piper and read Piper. Okay, so are you guys involved in a small group? We are. We have a home group at our house, and it's. I mean, the, the church is filled with with all ages, and the community that the church does, and we really try to outreach through the pregnancy center, the uh, the rap house, the sheriff's youth ranch, um, the YMCA. We really try to serve and outreach the community through the church as much as much as possible. That's fantastic. And, and Peter is also a deacon at the church. Nice, nice, very good. And where are you going to church? I go there too. I am might be the oldest guy. So there. the old guy, you're one of the old guys there. The the average age there is probably about thirty. No, it's uh, older than that. I think it's okay, thirty two. Yeah. Uh, and they probably have about you know two or three uh, babies every couple months. Uh, it is growing in leaps and bounds. And I had to get. I'm a traditionalist. I had to get used to a pastor that had tattoos. And a pastor that did he wear skinny work. jeans too? And, oh yeah, oh, yeah. skinniest skinny jeans. skinny jeans. I had to get used to all my. I had those bias and prejudices like people have about criminal defense lawyers. Sure, sure. And I had to get over those and listen to the message and the way he preached. Uh, and we were attracted there, obviously, because my kids went there. 
Uh, but now we're there because we really enjoy the, the teaching there, and we really enjoy that church. I'd heard some good things. That's why I wanted to give you guys yeah. let you guys give a plug for it because I've oh, heard good. some good things. I mean, there's yeah. some gr- there are phenomenal churches all over Tampa Bay, mm-hmm. but people are always going. I just I really need to find one that's going to stretch me. And then I asked the small group thing because there's a lot of great churches out there, but if they're not pushing you a small group for developing deep relationships and accountability, then they're not a great church because that's something that's really important. All right, let's get back to criminal defense <laughs> because there are there are thousands of people listening today. And to the show later, as, as they listen to the podcast, that are going, wait a minute, these guys are criminal defense attorneys. I mean, how can you defend guilty people as a Christ follower? It's not really hard because Christ did it. And throughout the Bible, we see where guilty people were defended. How many times did the, the heroes of the Bible defend the Israelites, uh, even though they were totally guilty of what they did, but they went to God and defended them? How about when Jesus defended the uh, uh the, the, the adulteress. I mean, you've got to realize that criminal defense has been is all the way through the Bible. The defense of guilty people is all the way through the Bible, and they they do it because it's the right thing to do. Because you just can't give up on people. You have to try to help them. You have to try to realize that no matter how low they are, no matter how bad things look, you have to show them that that Christ, as as an example, Christ is the way to look and have hope. Always have hope. And it doesn't bother me to defend a guilty person because the Constitution gives them the right to a fair trial and make sure the government can prove their case against them. If you let an a innocent person go to prison, and think about that, an innocent person goes to prison because they had no defense, you've got to defend a guilty person if that innocent person has the right to a defense. Otherwise, everybody goes to prison just because the government says they're guilty. So you've got to defend them all, and you have to defend them vigorously, ethically, Honestly, as an example, you don't put a person on the stand who's going to lie. That would be wrong. But there's nothing wrong with defending that person and making the government prove they're guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. Peter, was it that passion that, I mean, I mean, how did you compare your passion to your dad's passion? Do you believe it just as strongly? Yeah, I mean, I think that all throughout the Bible, too, we're, we're put in this world for a reason. We have rules that we have to obey in this rule. We have to give to Caesar what's Caesar's. Um, and, you know, the law is brought up all throughout the Bible. And I think that we are put in position as lawyers that, you know, we have to be the mouthpiece of the person that is not able to maybe articulate or explain the situation that they've gotten themselves into. A lot of our job, too, has to do with setting people up to rehabilitate themselves after making a mistake or uh, showing that you know they they may not be guilty of this uh, more heinous crime, but a lesser crime, which gives them an opportunity to rehab and rebuild their lives, as opposed to this person did something wrong. Good luck in prison for the rest of your life. We don't care about that life. That's a life wasted. That's not a life worth living. That's not a, a life worth helping. Um, and we get to come in and try to add something to that person's life and try to really, I mean, in essence, it's saving a portion of a person's life if we are able to to help them and affect their criminal case positively. Go ahead, George. I was just going to say, one of the things earlier you asked me about going back and forth and being a prosecutor and then being a defense lawyer, I've actually done it twice. Really? I was an assistant state attorney. Then I did a criminal defense attorney. And then I went back and worked for the Department of Justice. I was an assistant United States attorney. And then I left that job and became a criminal defense lawyer again. So if you believe in the Constitution, there's no problem going back and forth because you're still looking for justice. Do the 
attorneys that are doing the um, prosecution, do they have respect for you like you have for them? Oh, I, I hope so. I, mean, I hope they do. I hope they realize that when I tell them something, they can rely on it. That I, I'm not giving them a, you know, a bunch of bull when I'm talking to them that they know it's the straight, uh, straight scoop. And they tell me things because they know they can trust me not to abuse the privilege of the confidences we have talking back and forth. Well, after all the years you've been practicing, I imagine there's some deep relationships there to make sure that people at least get their the fairest chance in a courtroom. Absolutely. And the judges, too. Your credibility with the judges is the utmost importance, so they believe what you're saying. You've been practicing in front of some judges for a long time? Forty years. I mean, there's some judges been on the bench that whole time? I'm trying to think if anybody's been on the bench as long as I have. And sure they probably, have. No, I don't think. I think they have to yet. retire. Castagna is a senior judge, so he's still on the bench, even though he's semi-retired. As a federal judge, you can be retired and still be on the bench. So Castagna. you're right, Castagna, right. Let's get back to your story. George, you were just sharing, okay, how you went back and forth. You went from a, a, a prosecutor to an attorney, a prosecutor to an attorney, different, different ways you're doing it. You now are representing uh, people that have been accused of crimes all day long. And, I mean, what is, if I walked into your office, talk to me about what, how would I know that you're living for Jesus when I walk in your office. What, what's going to tell me, hey, this guy's different. He's not just your typical attorney. Well, first off, uh, there's the optics. We've got the, the ichthos is on our front door when you walk in. All of our cards, all of our letterhead, it all has the ichthos, the, the fish on it. Uh, you'll, there are Bibles in our lobby. And we want to make sure that the opportunities are there. But first and foremost, I hope they see it by the way we live because we don't have to sit there and preach it, because we have to gain a relationship with our clients initially. We have to make sure that our clients trust us, and they have to trust us to defend them. And we don't, at that point, we, we've got to be gentle uh, with those clients because they're at the lowest point of their lives. And what do you mean by that, that they're at the lowest point of their lives? Well, they've been arrested, they've been to jail, they've bonded out, and they're looking at going to prison. That's a pretty low point in your life. And when you start to realize that you could be away from your family for years, maybe a lifetime, depending on what you're charged with, you start to realize that it, you know, it's going to cost you money. Uh, your reputation is ruined. It may, we have a lot of high-profile cases, so it gets into the newspapers. And just that alone devastates you. At that point, we have to gain their trust. And gaining the trust, I, and I, I love that because you really, you guys are building relationships, Peter. I mean, you, you said that before we went on the air that you know you you get that opportunity to build relationships, and you guys are building trust with them. So hopefully they'll tell you the truth so you can best represent them, right? Right, and we tell them not to lie to us, and we tell them that we will never lie, and we will tell them that we will not do anything that is illegal or immoral in representing them. So. Are all the people that you represent guilty? I mean, they're criminals. I mean, again, going back to this, there's a lot of people struggling with the fact that you guys say that you are criminal defense attorneys for Jesus. How do? You, how can you, and there's people tuning in right now, so how can you do that? How can you represent people who are guilty? Well, let Peter do this one. You got it the okay. last one. Let Peter do this one. Well, first answer is, is resounding no, in my opinion, that uh, a large... A uh, majority of people are not always guilty either for what they're arrested for or guilty at all of anything um, because mistakes are sometimes made or um, the wrong crime is charged like we talked about before. And really, it just depends on the circumstances. Somebody comes in, they tell us their story, um, and then we look for a solution for them. Sometimes the solution is to attack the investigation, to attack you know whatever uh, evidence they have on them, the strength of it, how it was obtained, things like that. 
And then sometimes it's to cooperate and see if we can, like I said, rehab this person's life, get them into a, an intervention program where the charges get dropped at the end and they just have to go through some probation. And because when people come in, they don't just look at, oh, I just got arrested. Let's see what I can do. They look at my life's over. Yeah, I'm going to get fired. Is upside down. My wife's going to leave me. She's going to take my kids. I've had people sit across the table and tell me that, and that's what they're most worried about. And sometimes we just have to find solutions that allow them to keep their jobs, that allow them to work on their relationship with their wives, and that allow them to continue to be a father or a mother to their children. Is that the toughest part about your job, or is that the best part about your job, George? The best part is to is having people in this situation and helping them out of it. Uh, there's no way but up for someone that comes into our office and hires us. Things can only get really better because there are things are the, the worst as they can be when they're there. So hopefully uh, we help them and hopefully we lift them up. So let's let's just take a look at like the day in the life of Peter and George Tragos. I, I just want to step into that because a lot of people don't even know what you guys do. So why don't you just describe what you guys do? Well, we it depends if it's if it's a day when someone is hiring us, they'll call and make an appointment and they'll come in. We'll sit around with them and we'll give them the a speech that you don't lie to your lawyer because that only can hurt you. So tell us the truth. Tell us everything about the case. And then what we do is we uh, put together a defense for them that will benefit them and make their, again, make their lives better. That's our job. And, uh, you know, a day in the life, because obviously we have more than one client, can, can really be handling multiple cases as we go throughout the day. It can start with an 830 court appearance. Um, in criminal cases, every month you have to go to court and you have to tell the judge where you're at. You have to tell the judge what the prosecutor's doing, what you're doing to work on the defense of the case, how you're either working towards a resolution or working towards trial. Um, after court, you'll brief the client on you know what happened on court, what it meant that the judge was saying, where the prosecutor's at, things like that. Um, then we may have a, a potential client interview like my dad you know, just talked about later on in the afternoon. And then we have to take time researching and drafting the motions and going through the evidence with maybe our investigator or our paralegals, or, you know, me, my dad and, and myself, or our other partner, Peter, um, you know, we we go through the case together, we strategize, we find, you know, the best issues on a criminal appeal, we find, you know, the best uh, issues with a police officer's investigative report, um, we go through all those things to find what can benefit our client out of all the evidence, and all the tools that we have, and that we find to use for their benefit. You know, sometimes people criticize us and say, uh, Criminal defense lawyers, you find technicalities. You know, you get a guy off on a technicality. But I remind them, if you, if you look at Deuteronomy, I've always, one of the first technicalities around is you have to have two witnesses to be convicted of a falsehood. Right. And only have one witness, doesn't matter if you lied or not, that's one witness, doesn't meet the, the rule in Deuteronomy, the case was thrown out. Well, it's two witnesses for a murder, too, wasn't it? Yes, two witnesses for almost any transgression, right. right. So... When, Actually, two or more. Is right, two or more. So when you look at, you know, we all watch way too much television, and there's all kinds of criminal defense attorneys on TV. And, you know, how often do you have, I mean, most of the time when people are coming into you, and, and do they say, you know what, I, I did it? Or do they say, I'm innocent? I mean, do you get more people to say, I'm innocent, but there really aren't at first? I mean, you know, on TV, everybody always says, I didn't do it. Most, but, but a lot of times they did. Most people come in, at least initially, and tell us they're innocent. Okay. Uh, so the, until... The police may have an undercover videotape or something, and we show them the videotape, and then they may say, oh, that guy really looks like me. <laughs> okay, so how often do you guys resort to prayer and say, Heavenly Father, we have no idea what to do next? 
well, is this person guilty or not? I mean, how often do you how often do you go lean on your heavenly Father instead of your own, you know, talent? Well, I mean, I think that we lean on our heavenly Father daily um, in a number of ways. I don't know if I would necessarily say uh, we lean on Him a lot to say, "Show me something specifically in this case." But I, I, what I ask for a lot is confidence, work ethic, um, to be calming, to be patient. Um, to go through the documents, go through the evidence, find a way. Because I know there's always a way or there's something that can positively affect the case. You just have to be willing to work to find it and to be diligent to find it. Um, and, and that's really what I ask for is that he'll give me the patience, he'll give me the perseverance to continue to get through the case until we break through a wall. Because a lot of times, uh, my dad just had a case recently where um, you know he handled two different co-defendants in the case, got one off, and it took a lot long, over a year to get the second one off because the documents showed two different things for the two different co-defendants. And, you know, he, he, it just takes time sometimes to go through the documents to prove our case. So that's really what I pray for a lot of times is maybe not necessarily, you know, have the smoking gun appear in this case so that I can, you know, be a big shot at trial, but just in the daily grind of, for all of my clients, give me the work ethic, give me the perseverance to continue to fight through this and find what we need to find to positively affect their case. So you guys don't solve everything in 24 hours? We we don't solve it. Well, I do, but he doesn't. I don't. Sometimes. I think I'm a lot slower because I'm older. <laughs> uh, but but Jim, understand we're not the judge and we're not the jury. Right. It's not our job to decide what the evidence shows guilt or innocence. Now, if a client tells us he's guilty, that's a different matter. We handle it differently. But initially, if he tells us he's innocent, it's not our job to say, okay, you're guilty, so we're not going to defend you. It's not the way it goes. We'll defend him, and we even defend people who tell us they're guilty, but we do it in a different way. And we do it in a way so that it doesn't compromise our principles. So let's let's just look at that. Okay, Jesus said, you know, he did that whole you know Samaritan, uh, you know the, the Good Samaritan story, and he, he talks about who's your you know, and then the the Jewish leader said, who, well, who's your neighbor? So in your job, where it says love your neighbor as yourself, and, and love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Who's your neighbor in your job, Peter? Well, I mean, I think it can be a lot of different people in your job. Sometimes. The hardest part for us to remember who our neighbor is, is the attorney on the other side, whether it's a prosecutor or in a civil case, if we're the plaintiff, the defense attorney, because sometimes it's hard for us to understand. How can you not see this, that this is a case that, you know, shouldn't be charged, that this is a person that is better for probation or this is a person that, you know, didn't do this. Or so sometimes we have to remember that, you know, the the opposing counsel is our neighbor and we have to treat them with respect, treat them with honesty and be ethical with them and everything that we do with them. So that's one of the ones that stick out to me, that that's our neighbor, that's our colleague, that's someone we're going to work on on this case and hundreds of other cases into the future, and we have to remember to treat them as we want them to treat us. Wow. That, that was powerful. When you really look at, hey, don't be short-sighted. You got to, I mean, these are neighbors. And you guys are, you said you've been practicing law for, how long have you been practicing Four law? Four years. And so those are people you've been working alongside in the in the criminal defense system for a long time, both sides of, you know, both desks in the courtroom. That's cool. Can you be a criminal defense attorney and love Jesus and do a really good job for people? Can you do it? Of course the answer is, George Tragos. Yes. Absolutely. We're talking to Peter and George Tragos today from Tragos Law, tragoslaw.com. The, the law firm is actually Tragos Sardis and Tragos. But, of course, that would have been really difficult to find on the web, but tragoslaw.com is super easy. When, when you look at your ideal customer, I know they're clients, but they're your ideal customer. Who's your ideal customer? Well, I mean, really, I think it's just somebody that comes in, is going to be honest with us, and is looking for someone to fight for them 
and be ethical and honest with them. We don't, we're not looking for somebody that's looking for a lawyer to bend or break the rules or to step out of line or lie to a judge or lie to the prosecutor or anything like that. We are not the right lawyer for somebody coming in trying to hire a snake oil salesman. Um, we're the type of lawyer where if somebody's got a legitimate argument in their case, either they didn't do it or they didn't know that they were do it because do, I'm sorry, they didn't know that they were committing a crime because there is a what's called mens rea or a mental element to a lot of crimes where you have to knowingly a lot of times it's it's white collar theft or things like that. You have to knowingly do something sometimes for it to be a crime. So a lot of times there's somebody that, you know, didn't realize that they were doing this. And, you know, that's the type of client that we want is somebody that we can work with. That's going to be honest with us. That's going to take our counsel. We don't want somebody to come in and say, this is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to handle my case. And you better file this motion, even if there's no grounds to file this motion. I want you to fight harder at the judge. Be disrespectful to the judge so she knows we're serious. I want you to be aggressive and tough and nasty. You know, there's nobody more aggressive than my dad. So there's people that you turned on and say, we're probably not your best fit, George? Yes. Yeah. If, if they don't, if we can see that they're not going to trust us, that they're not going to mesh with us and, and believe what we say, there's all sorts of situations. You know, the Internet has produced experts on everything. And they come in and they hire a lawyer. <laughs> so true. And so they go on the Internet and they come in and say, hey, look, I read this on the Internet. Oh, hey, this guy had a case up in Chicago and this would happen to him. I mean, that just shows they don't trust you. And if they don't trust you, then you're not going to be able to do the job that you need to do for them because there has to be that relationship of trust between the lawyer and the client. What's the best part, the greatest part of your job? Helping people. And, you know, this is going to sound funny, but people you might wonder, maybe they did it, but you got them off, but they never did anything wrong again. They never committed another crime, and they led a good life after that. They learned their lesson. Those cases have been my... Grace reward, because I hear about them. Periodically, I'll talk to them or they'll call me, and they'll say, hey, thanks so much. You know, I, 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 I changed. I turned my life around because of what you did and because you saved me in that courtroom. How often, when you, you mentioned before, both of you guys have, you know, you're, you're dealing with people that are at the end of their rope. I mean, they're, really, they're at a very, very low spot. How often do you get that opportunity to actually pray with clients? Well, I mean, I think that it depends on the relationship you have with the client. Sure. Um, initially, you don't have that relationship. Um, and, uh, you know, and actually a lot of clients become friends and a lot of friends become clients at some point throughout our careers and our lives. And I think that when you have the relationship with a client, when they trust you and they either ask you for that prayer or, you know, you get in a relationship with somebody that, you know, also is a Christian, I think that 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 happens quite a bit in our in our practice. But what happens more often is, you know, we pray for our situations and our clients a lot. And it may not always be, you know, let the jury come back not guilty or let's get this guy off or that kind of prayer, but really for God to change their heart, change their lives, and maybe let us be an example to them or a shining light to either point them in the right direction, which is pointing them back to Jesus. When they realize that at the end of this case, whatever happens, you know, turning your life around is going to have an eternal aspect that goes far longer than whatever your prison sentence is or whatever your lifetime is here. George, you've been doing this for 40 years, you said. Are there enough Christians, Christ followers, in the criminal defense world? No. There are not a lot of Christ followers in the legal defense world, let alone just criminal. Uh, you know, there's a Christian legal society, yet there's not a lot of members of it when you consider all the lawyers that there are. I was president of the Clearwater Bar a long time ago, and when I was president of Clearwater Bar, I had the ability to uh, appoint who was going to write the articles, who was going to uh, do a lot of the work of the Clearwater Bar. I had a tough time getting Christians 
to take an active role to actually do something proactive. There aren't enough. So there's room. I mean, that's that's a career path that a somebody who feels called to the ministry, this is a ministry path for them. Absolutely. And you can do so much good as a lawyer. The opportunities are endless. Do you ever get opportunities to go speak at churches about why people should become a defense attorney, a criminal defense attorneys, or get to go to speak to seminaries, or get to go speak to Bible schools? You know, you got Southeastern is in Lakeland. You know, Clearwater Christian College used to be. Do you ever get a chance to get in front of students and go, this is why you should become a criminal defense attorney? Well, one you didn't mention was Trinity College. Sorry, Trinity College. It was there. I just, I, <laughs> Marco Farrell's been on this show many times. Well, I'm glad because I, I, I sit on the board of visitors at uh, Trinity College. And I have spoken at Trinity College, uh, not just about criminal defense, but about lawyering in general and how it's an honorable profession that you really can get into. I also am on the board of visitors of Regent Law School up in Virginia. Sure. And, uh, you know, I've spoken up there as well. Regent is a I mean, there's so Regent as a university system, along with the U, Liberty University, both of them putting out some really solid Christ followers in so many different professions. Absolutely. All right. So. Peter, when you look at uh, how many years you've been doing this now? I mean, About five years. So you've been out of law school for five years. Mm-hmm. When you look at okay, five years and the things you've learned in five years, what is what do you think has been the biggest impact on you personally in your spiritual walk? Become after you've become a criminal defense attorney. Well, I, I really think that it. You know, like I said, when we when we go through books of the Bible like James that talk about helping the less fortunate, helping the people nobody else wants to help. Um, you know, that, that really, you know, hits home with me and what we're able to do as criminal defense attorneys. Um, when I talk or when I, when I look at how we can really, uh, show the aspects and attributes of God in our work ethic, in our honesty, in our ethics, in our morality, in a field where people happen to be unethical and immoral, uh, sometimes, uh, because there's so much money involved and there's so many, so many, uh, different aspects of politics involved and things like that, where it's easy to take a wrong turn. I think that, you know, really it challenges you to live out uh, your faith and live out the attributes of Christ as a lawyer. It's very easy to stick out in the legal field as a conservative Christian lawyer um, and to stand up. And, you know, it really we're on a lot of boards um, locally, um, nationally and, you know, statewide boards. And I think it's funny because we're known as, the conservative guys, the Christian guys on those boards, and there's one on a board of maybe 25 lawyers a lot of times. And it's, you know, it's interesting, but they respect us, and they, they don't, you know, quote-unquote hold it against us, and we don't hold anything against them. We try to come together and make decisions that are best for the legal community. Um, it doesn't always work out our way since we're outnumbered lots of times, but I think that we're able to gain the respect with, like I said, our work ethic and our, um, and our honesty, you know, and, and how we practice. George, you've been doing this a long time, like you said. When you think about the greatest victory, have you ever had somebody come in who they said, I'm innocent, but I've been charged with a criminal with a crime, and you really believed them that they were innocent? And what was the greatest victory when you look at getting somebody off from some? I mean, that you had to really work hard to to get them not convicted. Do you have one of those one of those those uh, cases that you're like, that was the premier case, and you could change the names to protect the innocent. Well, there was, let's see, I have never had a person that I believed was innocent get convicted. I, I have had all the people I believed were innocent, they've all gotten off. Um, recently, there was a case where uh, a client was arrested for uh, sexual battery, which in essence is rape, and 
it wasn't him. He told me, it just wasn't me. I'm innocent. And we had to actually go out and prove that there was somebody else in the neighborhood with the same kind of car he had. Uh, and The same name. The same name. For the same company. No uh, way. Yeah, everything. And we had to go out and gather all this information in order to prove that it was the other guy. Or I had a situation where a stockbroker got arrested for buying drugs, an undercover drug operation, but they let him go. They didn't arrest him right when he bought it, and they arrested him months later. And he said, it's not me. And it turns out we found out someone had stolen his identity and that someone looked just like him and that someone was sitting in prison in Orlando. The police went over to interview him, and when the cops saw him, he said, gosh darn, that's the guy that bought the drugs from me, not your client. But you have to prove their innocence, which is not the way the system should yeah, work. Yeah, I thought, I thought you were innocent until proven guilty. Well, that's what no, they say. Well, but now it's proven guilty until proven innocent? On certain is it cases, more, Is that yes. more the case than not? A lot of times, you yes. It, it is really very common to have to prove somebody's innocence. Hmm. That Do you like that challenge? I, I love the challenge. The stress is great. I mean, it's a tremendous amount of stress representing an innocent person, uh, as it is representing anybody because of the consequences. But I do. I love it. And normally our cases are fairly large and complex cases. And so I do. I love them. Hmm. I, I love trial work. That's why I'm doing this. So, Peter, you're, uh, you, you've had you get five years in. Are, are you going to make it 40 years? I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Here I goes your so. perpetuation plan, George. Uh, George and Peter Tragos with TragosLaw.com. Tragos, Sardis, and Tragos, thank you so much for being on I Work for him today. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Really appreciate you guys sharing your testimony. Check these guys out. You know, maybe you know somebody who's been charged with a crime and they are were willing to be honest about it and work through it. That would be a great client for them. TragosLaw.com. But also, if you're considering being an attorney, go to school. Check these guys out when you get out. We'll connect you up. You've been listening to I Work for him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower. My workplace, it's my mission field. But ultimately... I work for him.